Hello, and welcome to another episode of Scions of the Southland. Uh, this is coming to you on a Friday. I think that's when this is going to be published, instead of our usual Wednesday. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we decided to delay because of a National Signing Day yesterday, uh, but we still wanted to get an episode out this week. Mr. Grant is here as always. How are you doing, Jake? Uh, fine, thanks. Uh, it's the end of a busy Thursday, but um, L week is over, so had some time to talk sports. We were going to do this fun and different um, Mew tonight because it's the softball home opener, but uh, if you're anywhere near Atlanta, you probably know as well as I do that it is not really not really uh, – Sports weather outside is how I'll put it. I nicely. would I would definitely not uh, characterize Atlanta weather today as sporting in any way, shape, or form. And I mean, if you like whitewater rafting, some of these streets are good for you. Synchronized swimming. Synchronized swimming, yeah. Uh, maybe even some real swimming. Yeah, probably an Olympic sport. I, row a crew rowing. I think yeah, I that think works. So. We have one of those on campus. Probably we have friends who listen to this, but. Yeah, we we have one of those on campus. I, I you know maybe they got some practice out on uh, out on Peachtree Street today instead of out in the on the Chattahoochee. Yeah, it's uh it's a uh, nice save them a trip, you know. Less banter, more Georgia Tech sports. Mr. Grant, where do you want to start this week? Um, let's start with the uh, the good news. Uh, slide slide men's basketball to the top, would you? Oh, yes, I will. So, men's basketball blew out VT earlier. When was this? This was last weekend, I think. Monday? Uh, I should have had that no, one prepared. VT was Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, okay. During Tuesday. Our earlier this week. I should have just left it earlier this week. So, that was a 20-point yep. victory. It was – the margin was – I think it was 18 final, but it was as big as 30 at points during the second half. Uh, VT couldn't make a three-point shot all night. It was very, very strange to see Georgia Tech play that dominantly. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the first games at home in a while that I've missed because uh, we're doing rec club interviews. But um, what was I going to say? No, the uh, just looking at the scoreline, and I got to like check back in on ACC Network highlight type stuff after. Um, I don't know. it. The last two years playing – or last three years, I guess, since I've been here. Playing Virginia Tech has always been like, uh, I remember very vividly, we played around the same time uh, two years ago, and at home we went out to an early lead. Uh, Todrick Jackson was kind of pulling the weight, but Virginia Tech clawed back, shot threes, made a lot of threes. Um, I don't know if that speaks to our defense at the time or their offense at the time, but um, not that they lived and died on it, but it was definitely an effective weapon for them. So I can't say I'm surprised if the three wasn't falling for them. Um, 18 points doesn't seem that unreasonable, you know? Yeah. So I, I have the stats finally pulled up now. So it was a 19 point margin because I right. can't do math. Um, just to read off of some of our advanced stats here. We'll, we'll start with the basics first. So uh, tech shot 56.8% from Two compared to 53 for Virginia Tech. The key, like we were talking about, was from three. Uh, Virginia Tech only shot 12.5%. Tech was 44%. Um, and then just to round out 
couple of the other stats here. Uh, Tech won the offensive rebounding battle. They had eight to Virginia Tech seven. Um, however, they did lose the turnover battle once again, uh, 10 to Virginia Tech's eight. So really on a lot of fronts, this looks like a very typical Georgia Tech basketball game. It's just that Virginia Tech and their usual sure-handed three-point shooter, Landers Nolly, couldn't really hit anything all night. It's funny, you, you're reading off the stat sheet and you said we got out turnovered and you said 10 and I went... <laughs> That's not so bad. Like, if if that's how many we're having and they're still beating us in the turnover game, I think that's definitely one of our our um, how do you say uh, weak points, weak links, right? Yeah, yeah. So so if we can tighten that up, then I don't know. It, it kind of makes sense that we're in the game. Um, Jose played really well too. I know in terms of individual performances, he had twenty points. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I. I definitely don't think uh, there's anything to to frown at. That's a solid stat line. Yeah, and I I think this sort of plays into what we've been saying all season, that this team is wildly inconsistent from from game to game. But at the same time, they're putting together these performances versus pretty quality competition. Like I, I remember on the broadcast yesterday, uh, before the last three or four game skid that Virginia Tech has been on, they were considered a tournament team. Like they they beat Michigan State in Maui to begin the season, and people were people were very high on the Hokies head in, in 2019. Or I well, guess they returned a lot. Now they're they're putting these performances together against quality competition, and this is one time where I think it, it's like obviously Virginia Tech got outplayed, but they also just got a like had a really really bad night shooting and tech was able our tech was able to take advantage of that yeah oh totally um again they it's not like they've really lost anything in the past couple weeks either it's you know you you play tough ball in the acc it's not it's not out of the picture that a lot of the the wheat and the chaff of the conference aren't really that that different this year like if you look at the if you look at the standings you got louisville duke florida state everybody kind of agrees then, that they're the top three and then it's just a minefield <laughs> or it, yeah it's, well it's, it's just ridiculous how how pair pair how much parity there is in that probably all the way down to i mean you can even include pittsburgh down even at the bottom the only teams that haven't been doing well are unc and wake forest and Miami. Miami hasn't been doing too hot. And, but, and, and Miami, yeah. but I, yeah. No, um, yeah. If you look at at the standings, you got Tech, Boston College, Clemson, Virginia Tech, and Pittsburgh all at five and seven, with Notre Dame at five and six, and NC State at six and six, and Syracuse at six and five. All those teams are put together more than half the conference, right? That's either that's good for parity or it means a weak ACC. Um, I tend to lean towards the former than the latter. Um, Media will probably excoriate us for the latter. You know, it happens. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I think it's I think it's good to see parity in the ACC. I think that it's not something that we want to encourage of teams. I, I, I don't know. I think a, a Pittsburgh going zero and sixteen or zero and eighteen, whatever it would be now, zero and twenty. Um, 
is a lot worse for the conference than you know say oh Duke lost twice and they're the they won the conference or Louisville didn't look that strong blah 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 whatever like they only have three four losses but it's better than Wake last year us a couple years back honestly probably last year too you know like I don't want teams stinking up the conference much uh, I'd rather have no team defeating everyone and not have people just, you know, diluting the. Yeah, no, no, no. I get where you're going, and I think this is a similar case. Yeah, I think this is a similar case to, to, to this year's Big Ten, right, in basketball, right? Because you have a curious case of, I think it's home court advantage has been either dominant or non-existent. I can't remember which one in the Big Ten, and everyone is is in the mix. Like I, I think Illinois was Illinois, which I don't usually consider a good basketball school was, was near the top of the conference. Michigan was there early on, but then just kept losing conference games. Iowa was at the top at one point. Like it's a similar case of that. It's a similar case for the big 10, except that instead of it being at the top, that competitiveness being at the top, uh, like in the big 10 for the ACC, it's in the middle. It's, it's that, Four through ten, four through twelve. Sir, Rutgers is fifth in the Big Ten, fifteen and zero at home, seven and five in conference. Which means they've won seven times. Probably six or seven of those are at home and lost every single conference road game. Covers home field. It's important. Yeah. Oh, one and five in conference. One and five record away. Ah, uh, that doesn't break okay. up the conference. Never mind. My bad. But point they're probably in, winless. They're probably winless away in conference, but yeah, it doesn't defeat the point. I think that there's an a, there's an argument to be made that there's equivalent levels of parity. Yeah, um, no, I, I I would agree. Um, as a partial Illinois boy, um, I like that kind of thing. I think that's good for basketball. I think it's going to make the tournament interesting this year because um, I I don't know Georgia Tech, which is a Roughly 500 team took Louisville at 20 and three and 11 and one, essentially down to the wire, right? And, and that's that's the best conference. And, and Duke, and what, and Duke what was the other? Wire. And then Florida State played strong against too. So yeah, it, I, I think we're just sort of spinning our wheels on the same topic, saying the same thing multiple times. But yeah, it's it's just lots of parody. It's a strong, it's a weird year for the conference, I think is the best way to describe it. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, last note that I have on men's basketball things, uh, Tristan Maxwell, who I believe is a Georgia Tech signee for in the 2020 class. I think I have yeah. that right. I don't get my recruiting years right ever. Um, he is, his team is the favorite to win the 4A state championship in North Carolina. So uh, we'll keep an mm. eye on that. As the season progresses, that's that's good for us. That's good for Josh Pastner's recruiting. Oh, definitely. I, uh, I mean, if you can just say that your guy is, you know, doesn't. There's no, uh, there's no bad press in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of bad press, which of the, let's see, we could go to the most negative, I guess, news, sports news of the week, which is. Women's basketball still sliding. They lost to Miami in a OT heartbreaker, I believe, and then also 
lost to Notre Dame. I think a Duke loss was in there, but we might have talked about that last week as well. It mm-hmm. w- it's this is five consecutive losses, I think, um, and they have fallen all the way out of uh, the NCAA tournament picture. If the latest ESPN projections are to be believed, so I don't know. I think I think really? the question for us to discuss here is where does women's basketball go from here? A real interesting point, kind of a kind of a bummer of a transition that we have to go left to right like that. But um. You know, I, I, you I, know, I'm not really good at the transition stuff. It's okay. Um, but no, like, they're they're at four or five in a row now, and a, a lot of it's the same story, just from, if you, if you look back at the stat line and stuff. Um, they're sh- not saying that they don't play the hot hand, but they have this nasty habit of still shooting threes, even when they're ice cold from three-point land. Not saying that would totally fix it um, because obviously there's there's more to the game than making a three or making two threes or switching it out for a two. Um, but shooting from beyond the arc and shooting from the, the free throw line usually seem to be themes here. Like they're always going to dominate the glass. They're always going to be fine when they go down low, um, especially into like Lorella Kubai and stuff like that. But, um, but no, the, the 11 for 20 from the charity stripe against Notre Dame, to quote myself, literally word for word, not great. Uh, two for 16 from three in that game. Um, they were uh, 0 for 10 in the second half uh, from three against uh, Miami. You've you got to wish you had a couple of those shots back, you know. And, and women's basketball does see a higher number of turnovers, so I'm not too worried about, about those levels. Not yet, at least. Um, but I don't know. They they play a physical game, and they do a good job of that. Uh, but I don't think that their their three ball is as consistent as as it needs to as they as much as they rely on it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they also share the nasty habit, like the uh, with the men, of going absolutely ice cold for yep. three to six minute stretches during what would be the women's third quarter and the first part of the men's second half i don't want to go too negative because i i don't know like yeah one thing call out a team when they're not doing well but also like these are kids like and you know i don't they're they're our peers i don't i was gonna say i don't like going even during a three and nine football season you know stuff like that even when you can't really understand why something's not working when you think it should i i don't like going negative but i will say no Fortner is going to play the pieces she has. Um, we got to give her time to like grow her system out too. Cause if you, if you think about it, like Francesca Pond was ACC freshman of the year in Michelle Collier's system in her offense, in her defense, Michelle um, Joseph, but, but yes. Yeah. Michelle, sorry. Sorry. Michelle Joseph. Um, gosh, I have been looking too much forward towards the volleyball season lately, but um Anyways, that's a we'll we'll talk about that on a future podcast. But um, anyways, yeah, Josephs Francesca Pond was the piece she had built her team around uh, before she got the Elizabeths right, and that's kind of who the offense ran through. That's Kara Fletcher, you know, um, as her point guard. Like these are still big pieces of Joseph's tenure. That now Fortner, yeah, she uses them well, and she's been winning games, and they were a tournament team for basically until 
four days ago, right? Like these are not, they're not out of it either, but I think the games they're playing or the style of play that they're playing isn't necessarily the ones we're going to be seeing next year or the year after that. So that's why I'm not saying sound the alarm yet, right? Because right. Joseph's team weren't that consistent from three-point land either. Yeah, they had more more uh, ballers underneath that could just get it in the paint and score. Um, but they weren't that consistent from the, the free-throw line, and they kind of turned the ball over a lot. So what we're seeing is a very similar brand of basketball in a lot of ways to what we've seen the last couple of years. Um, so again... If they can find that shot, great. I don't think there's anything really all that different. I'm, I'm not going to say it's the yips or something like that because I, I don't know what's going on in their heads. I'm not a psychoanalyst. I can't figure out what's going on in my head half the time, right? But, like, you know, it they're, they're a shot falling against UNC and a shot falling against Miami away from us saying, wow, look, line, they're 16-6. and six. That's a great team right there. You know, like, we could make mm-hmm. some noise. I don't know. I'm also a little superstitious because I did say they should get themselves off of, off the eight line uh, or the nine line, but you know, well, they I, did get themselves off of said line. They just that is true. Not in the right direction. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, but no, that's a lot of me talking. So you should say something so that way I can go collect my thoughts and think I sound like an idiot. So yeah, honestly, you covered most of the points that I was going to talk about. It, I, I, I get. I, I, this is a team that needs a little bit more room to grow, and I think a couple, a, a recruiting class or two, will really shore up. Um, will, will, will really shore things up. I I want to say that I read a piece from the Athletic from Tory uh, that was an interview with Nell Fortner that said something along the lines of, "We realize that offense is not our specialty. We realize that defense defenses are like what's powering our success right now," and and. Yep. For the most part, like that is that that's what you're saying. That's they can defend as much as they want, but they really need to to work on that on that so, or shot selection um and uh and really rhythm, that that shot rhythm um in order to be more successful uh in the games to come at the at the end of this year and then also moving forward into next year. Oh yeah, no, totally. I definitely agree. I'm trying to pull up their uh, their schedule and do some quick maths in my head, but I I would like to note on that quote from Fortner. Um, she said, "Defense's specialty; it's what wins them games." That's why they were in the Texas A&M game as long as they were. But if you look at the amount of points they've given up the last few games, I'm going to list them off: 59, 54, 58, but that was in OT, 55. 64, 47, 52, 65, 50, uh, 54, 51, 52, 48, or, or sorry, 60, 48, uh, 47, 40. I'd still say 40, that's, a, that's a pretty, like a 55-ish average, 54, 55-ish average. Yeah, like, and of course, once you get past that, you're not in the the scores against majors anymore, but those are... Those are signs of consistent defense, right? Those aren't – they haven't fallen off from what they do well. So if they can find that offensive stroke again, then they're going to be they're going to be just fine. They'll be fine. You know? um, they'll, they'll be fine. And they, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven left plus the tournament. If they lose, hopefully they don't do. Um, 
They'll be at 14 and 15. But if they can go about 500 the rest of the way out, they'll make some noise in the WNIT. And, you know, if we're going to give Passner three years of benefits of the doubt for uh, for him building recruiting, if we're going to give Jeff Collins the benefit of the doubt for the three and nine, if we're going to X, Y, Z benefit of doubt, you know, we can definitely wait for Nell Fortner to get her Kyle Pampudis, for her to get her you know, Jeff Sims or Jameer Gibbs, because I know we're going to talk about National Signing Day later um, on Gibbs. But, you know, like, you know, it takes time to build a program, especially one that's going to last. So I'm not worried about this at all. Same here. I think it's I think it just takes time to gel. We'll we'll catch up with them uh, next week and see if they uh, they've done better. Uh, and especially as they get towards the ter- get towards the uh, ACC tournament. Um, all right. So before, where are we headed we next? Entirely, I'd like to make a comment uh, related to not basketball, um, but just uh, your public interest comment of the week from your resident Missouri Valley men's basketball fan that Evansville, you know, the team that beat Kentucky at Kentucky um, is 0-11 against Stout Missouri, Com- Missouri Valley Conference play um, and is 9-15 and on the season. Uh, so those SEC wins mean more, bro. Always have Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Where, back to the regularly, regularly scheduled program. Man, you're really you're really interrupting my transitional flow right now. I, I would really appreciate it if if you just just let me do my thing. Thank you. Um, All right. Let's see. Where are we going next? Uh, do you want to talk about men's and women's tennis? Sure. They had a lot of tennis playing last weekend too, didn't they? Oh yes. I, they let's see Texas the the women played Texas the yep. men faced uh, the men were versus Athens I think we talked about that one maybe no 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 I don't mm. think we have so I, say, I don't think so played Could... Athens let's see I think that's I, I'm I feel like I'm missing one more men's outing nope uh, they only had one last week which was weird okay so yeah so let, let's I I. I don't really know where to begin with with the tennis. I, I'm really more of an Australian Open type person than a college tennis kind of guy. Yeah, so fill in the gaps for me here. All right, so I'm not going to lie. When I started covering college tennis, um, I really didn't know anything about it. Uh, I thought it was very much the same kind of dynamic as your pro-style tours and you know, the, the, the big boys, right? Um, but I I don't think that that's true at all now after having covered it. Um, Ethan is much more schooled in this than I, but um, his adage that he's been repeating lately is, you can be four or five points away um, from winning a set when you lose 6-2 or 6-3, right? And Georgia Tech, men and women against UGA and the women against... Uh, Texas were consistently within winning these sets, right? They just, you know, the the talented top 10 teams kind of over three sets are going to make themselves known. If you look at it um, against against Texas, five of the six singles matches um, went to three sets, and the one that didn't was on court two. The number four player in the country out of Texas defeated Vicky Flores in a pretty tight, 6-3 6-3 first set and in the tie break 9-7 um 
in the second set. And Victoria Flores has been playing fantastic tennis, right? So you can't really, and again, against UGA for the women, the only, the only singles game that was really out of hand was down on court six. There's not, I don't know, like, I hate the phrase quality loss, which is why I'm not about to say it, but Georgia Tech took losses here. Uh, the men uh, probably a little more disparate than the women um, just by nature of uh, dropping that game a little bit faster. But I don't know. Those aren't bad teams to lose to, but it also just kind of rubs in the fact that like we're still not the team we were two years ago, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like Georgia Tech tennis, women's tennis, two years ago, 2017, or not, yeah, 2017-18, um, they were a top-four team in the country. If they had been on the other side of the bracket, perhaps they would have gone to the championship. Who knows what happens when it's just four points between you and the title. But that's then, this is now. But, you know, you lose, really, your number one tennis player in the last significant amount of time. It takes a while to find another, right? And Georgia Tech doesn't have that number four Anna Tarati of Texas. They don't have that that court one singles that can just go out there, wreck everyone, and then everybody, like, you know, it shifts all that up a court, right? So you have to put up Kenya against whoever, and kind of, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the weeds on this now, but um, mm-hmm. tennis is a sport of matchups, right? Uh, and when they, they announced that Carlos DeBar was coming back to play singles for the first time this spring on Sunday, I was like, shoot, like, He's our best singles player. They're putting him on court six. That's an automatic win. You know what his, uh, his line was? I'll have you guess. I just just humor me. Humor you? Okay, fine. Yes. It was like 6-2, six, 6-1. Six, yeah. You know, it's a game of matchups. It's how you're playing. It's how you're feeling. Um, and especially when you're, you're young, Georgia Tech had been rolling through doubles. But the men really hadn't faced uh, a lineup like they had against UGA yet, you know? Um, so. I don't know. I wouldn't count them out um, of the tournament picture or anything like that, either team. In fact, the women have a berth in the ITA indoors, like starting tomorrow. So, you know, again, four matches from a title. So don't don't count them out. But at the same time, it's one of those, like, it, it doesn't make it hurt less either. You know, Anders Martin took a, took a set against, took the first set against a guy who's been better than him in juniors for years. Right, but you still gotta play till the end of the set. That's why you play three or two. You know, mm-hmm. I know you don't have a lot that you can toss in there. I don't really feel like restating everything I said on YJR. If you wanna find out, take a John over there. There's like a thousand words between the two, uh, and we can move on with the podcast. But the point is, if you lose the doubles point, it is very hard to beat great teams, and uh, we didn't really set ourselves up um for that like we like the women did against South Carolina so if we're going to see success the men got to figure that doubles back out and the women have to uh have to make a more consistent habit of doing that so that's where i'm at okay i uh i have nothing to add because again i am an australian open person not a college tennis expert so let's go next to swim Oh no, you're gonna you're gonna spiel again for a while. Let's let's pivot to something that I can I can contribute to. Um, softball. Let's talk about softball. 
since yeah. uh, you were supposed to be there today. I'm sad. It's still so rainy. I I, uh, I tweeted this today that softball coming back meant or softball and baseball coming back, um, whichever kind of starts their home season first, means that spring is back. But honestly, I think I'd rather have a like a, a wild blizzard snowstorm, you know, Chicago style, whatever, um, than all this rain we've had. This is just gross. <laughs> Don't, don't uh, tempt fate. That you could, you ask for that, and then we end up with another snowpocalypse. Oh, that's yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's talk about softball. Despite their season not starting today, it will start tomorrow at 10 a.m. versus UAB. Uh, morning softball is weird. We're not going to comment on that part further because you know weather cancellations happen. But uh, let's see. This this is a young team. This is a growing team. They brought in a lot. I, I, honestly, their their recruiting classes were, were pretty highly touted, and they look. I, I want to say they look good going into this year. I'd say so. Uh, did you read the preview this morning? If not, I I'd like to did. But please okay. go ahead and elaborate. I love drawing illusions that I probably shouldn't. Uh, so allow me to jump to a conclusion. If you look at the RPI that volleyball finished with in uh, in 2018, right? So 2018-19 academic year um, is 96. If you look at the uh, volleyball RPI that they had this year, 41. If you look at softball last year, that RPI was at about 90. I think softball is primed to make a similar jump to volleyball if oh, this, absolutely. they stay healthy if the, the, the bats the bats are the bats right and they, they have an upgrade at catcher as long as emma Koff comes in and gets to hitting right away like she's a lefty with a plus power tool plus hit tool and plus speed that that's dangerous on the base pads um mm-hmm. for sure um and they don't lose a whole lot either so upgrading that pitching could be that kind of jump that we saw from volleyball uh, when they threw in uh, uh, Julia Bergman to the mix of their rotation. So that, that's my, that's my big point. That I'm probably going to keep harping this year. Oh no, no, I, I agree with you. And I think we both agreed to a very weirdly emphatic point that pitching was, it was softball's dire weakness last year. And yeah. Morgan Bruce was was usually on fire, but when when she got off, it was those outings were not pretty. Um, and then you really didn't have anyone else that was that could uh, get to the same level of quality with regularity that Morgan Bruce did. Um, you had Brooke Barfield yep. and Naomi Dickerson come in in, in some um, for some starts, but for the mass, like I would say, for the vast majority of Georgia Tech uh, softball's good games last season. Morgan Bruce was on the mound, and you just can't pitch her every day. She's got to get she's got to get some help. And I think uh, the players that they brought in, um, you, you're going to need to give me the names because I can't remember them from the preview. But the players that they that they brought in to to round out the pitching staff this year should give her that help. Yeah, if you look at you, kind of made this point. Um... And talking about like Barfield and uh, Dickerson, both of those players are listed as utility now. So I don't 
think we're going to be seeing as much of the two of them on the mound, which is probably probably good in the long run for the team. Um, I know both of them, uh, or Barfield definitely uh, predates Eileen Morales, uh, but getting getting plus freshmen uh, with the pitch tool in in the form of uh, Blake Nelliman, um, freshman from Georgia, good state high school accolades. Um, but the two the two transfers, uh, Madison McPherson, uh, limited experience, but a 171 ERA in 16 innings. Um, and then Lexi Ray, who was like a freshman of the year in the Ohio Valley, who went 26 and 16 with a 287 ERA. Um, that's a that's a dangerous uh, dangerous take or not takeaway a dangerous tool to have Addition. you know and Morgan tool, Bruce, yeah Morgan Bruce appeared in 51 of the 58 games last year starting 31 going 17 and 14 with five complete games like 17 she had and to 14, be starter and emergency reliever the entire season like yeah. the, of yeah, course was she was say, inconsistent in half of those like that that's yeah. just overuse yeah like she she was. She was the ace. She had to be the ace, the fireman, the closer. And that's get, getting a little bit of the load off of your senior star pitcher. We saw it when they brought in, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on who was the lockdown um, two years ago. But anyways, point taken, you can't put all of you on one person. And that's why I think our bats are as good as they are. Because if you look around, the the entire infield except for third base is back, and not only did that like Tech have plus uh, defense tool last year, right? So uh, like high rate of turn double plays between Zeitler, who was a freshman, and Roper, who was a uh, a sophomore, up the up the middle. Trisha Awal, big bat, um, first baseman. Um, Roper led the NCAA in hits most of the season. Like when you have a protected lineup, it it gives all of those players better chances to hit. In the same way, if you have plus pitching, you're going to have better, better not just better options, but like they're going to take your entirety of your your roster more seriously, right? You know, that's that's something that made the Auburn regional that much sketchier for baseball last year. Is you go, hey, like we don't have Zay, we don't have Andy Archer, we don't have Herder. Like they got Connor Thomas and they got Tristan English. Like once we get CT out of there, like it's anybody's ball game, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you can have these options, and Eileen Morales in her interview with Wiley Ballard um, made a specific note that they want to pitch like a baseball program, like focusing on on matchups. If you have the pitching strength and depth and um, specialization to do that, especially in this sport. Like go for it because you're not burning your pitcher for the next three days, right? She can be back out there to close tomorrow if she starts, as long as she's pitching fine, you know, as long as she's healthy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, rambling. Um, no, but 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 I get the point. I think I think we agree again in that this. I I think this new approach, and I I admit that I don't know how many teams pitch softball like they do baseball in terms of matchups but i think this approach and more formally cycling out pitchers will prove much more successful than just running the same pitcher out in emergencies like they did last year we really only saw three pitchers on the staff last year 
And now I want to say there's there's like four or five. And and just from a sheer numbers perspective, I don't even need to be a softball expert to tell you that should lead to success. That leads to less overuse of, of a single pitcher and uh, and l- obviously less fatigue that comes with that. And just by sheer numbers with less fatigue is going to come a little bit more consistency. And I, I think that's what that's what we want to see, right? We want to see those consistently um, consistent execution from from the mound and with everyone else coming back and returning that similar high level of production. That's the, the last piece that Georgia Tech might need to to really put a dent in the dominance of the of the usual ACC softball powers like you have your I want to say Florida State. Florida State is up there. You have, yeah. I want to say Louisville has a good team for some reason. Um, Louisville, they picked up a good transfer from Auburn too, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but so these, and, and I'm sure you can name a couple more than I can, but they ha- they need this last piece. And I, I think if they can get that stable and, and uh, down pat by, I don't know, quarter way through the season, midway through the season, we are looking at a very, very good year. Yeah, and if you look at their, if you look ahead at their schedule, just from me going down the list of RPI last year and picking out interesting games in terms of last year's RPI finishers, they got two games against Washington, their top five team, uh, two against Kentucky, top twenty team, uh, Georgia. They got two against Oklahoma State, who finished top ten, South Carolina, top twenty-five, three against Florida State at Florida State, who finished top ten. And then Virginia Tech and North Carolina, who's generally two of the stronger teams on the like baseball, football, coastal side of things, right? Um, they're both in the top thirty. So if they can, not not saying they they'd be happy losing a series at Florida State, but if you can pick up one of those games against a top ten team, that's a heck of a lot better than you've looked in the past. If you can make noise, play all the way through to the end against like the SEC teams on the slate. I don't know. Those are not, those are, those are winnable games. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, the only team on there that truly scares me and like Georgia tech might have is Washington and then Florida state in almost two months from now, you know, like that's, that's halfway through the season. That could be a totally different team. We're running out there, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think we saw the same exact thing with baseball last year, right? When baseball takes yeah. that one game from from number three UCLA, you you sort of start thinking, hey, this is a differently built team from last year. This this team could really could really do something. And that Florida State series, despite being later in the season, and even if you want a more re- or a closer, more recent parallel to. Uh, to that UCLA series, the the Washington series, you take you take one of those games, you you might have the same effect despite it being early. So, competing with these high level teams is is the goal. And if we drop one of those two games, or if at Florida State, I, I think it's a three game set, so you drop you drop two of those games, but you're still in all three, or you're still in all two. That's still a successful series. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd absolutely say so. Um, if you take the step back and say, hey, like, this is a harder schedule than we've seen in a while, then I think that's the right perspective. 
um, give them time for growth and, and let them play the harder schedule. You know, like you can't be like, Oh, they went 31 and 27 last year. This year, they only went 27 and 31. Like that's a big step back. Well, there's nuance to it, right? This is Mm -hmm. getting the team. It's building that program. Right. And we, we hear all the time again, just like talking about Nell Fortner, we want to build a sustainable program yeah, you got to ratchet ratchet up the schedule. So if that means they start beating these teams, great. I hope I hope they turn the corner where they're knocking off these teams in a month or two rather than in 3 or 4, right? But, you know, it's not it you can't go from where they were at, you know, winning 33% of their games to a tournament team in 2 years. It it, it might not be a smooth path, but hopefully we get there. Mhm. Do, we'll see how things look starting tomorrow at uh, at 10 a.m. And so yep. that first game is UAB, and I want to say the afternoon matinee is versus Washington. Yeah. Cool. Um, we will talk more baseball as it gets closer. I think that is a topic best saved for next week, looking at the clock here. Um, but we want to get to the reason why we really delayed this episode, um, National Signing Day. Uh, so, really, I think this later signing day doesn't get a lot of attention anymore because everyone signs in December. For the most part, only you're looking at a couple or, or the last few stragglers signing um, during the later period, uh, which this year included Jameer Gibbs. Uh, out of Dalton, Georgia. He's the number two running back in the country. And uh, he did a hat show and he chose Georgia Tech. Yep. That's, uh, that is a apparently a not an often occurrence from what our fellow writers have said. Yeah. I, um, I wouldn't say that I'm the most recruiting inclined or expert, but I don't know. Feels good to see him wearing a tech hat. I'm excited. Kiefer yeah, uh, with him, and that carries a lot of weight with me. So, yeah, Kiefer, our, our other football writer, football editor, in fact, uh, Kiefer Milligan speaks very highly of Gibbs. Um, is very impressed with the work that he's uh, work that he's done at Dalton. Um, Bud Elliott at SB Nation also gave us a couple of compliments. Um, compared Gibbs to Dalvin Cook, uh, which seeing as how much or seeing how much success Dalvin Cook had at the NFL level this year definitely gets me very excited for what Gibbs can do on the flats. Yeah, um, those are that's a very successful name to be compared to, is how I like to think of it. I just hope we have the offensive line to uh, pair with Dalvin Cook because uh, Florida State did, did not for for yeah. probably half of his time there. Well, we can uh, talk about the offensive lineman they picked up, too. Um, another Vandy transfer they announced uh, yes. officially. Uh, yes, Devin Cochran. Um, Cochran, is the, that's what it was. Yeah, so he's the Vandy transfer. I We might have mentioned him in passing last week, but if we didn't, uh, Vandy was very sad to see him go. Lots of Vandy fans on the interwebs, especially those at uh, the SB Nation site, whose name escapes me, they were... Um, gold. yeah, anchor, anchor gold, something like that. Um, they were disappointed to see him go. Uh, and anytime a team that you're getting a player for him is disappointed, uh, that's probably a good sign. 
yep. even even considering Vandy's lack of success in the SEC last year. Yeah, I I would agree. I'd echo that. I don't have a lot to add in there, but yeah, I, we're I we're do not schematic say, people. We're not we're not yeah. super experts. I would also toss in there that um that he'll pair well with Ryan Johnson, the other SEC offensive line transfer we're getting. Um, and I think that I don't know Southern's graded out pretty well, but I I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm more excited about both of these two guys than I was last year seeing that. And I think you know if offensive line is definitely a position of need, they're not going to uh, they're not going to uh, turn down quality proven power five players, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is a, with these transfers, you have seriously upgraded the offensive line in this cycle. Uh, obviously more help is always welcome. And Georgia tech's offensive line was the worst graded in uh, by PFF in 2019. But this, this bodes well, especially if, if they can all, um, get healthy, get reps in the, uh, stay healthy. I mean, um, and get reps in the offense, uh, through spring practice and early fall practice. Um, and, and just make sure that they gel with, uh, whatever blocking scheme that coach Patnode has them running. This bodes very well for, for our quarterback room and, and our running back core in, in 2020. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's uh, – last note, I did want to point out on recruiting, Tech did finish with a top 25 class per rivals. It was number 27 per ESPN. Uh, ESPN, though, does not have super good recruiting scores, so we're going to just call it a top 25 class and uh, go from there. Yeah, they uh, they said that uh, Jameer Gibbs was significantly lower in their, in their calculus than most of uh, – than most of what our guys and the 247 rivals guys have seen. So I, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Give me the top 25 ranking. Put it on a sign. You know, sell it. Mm-hmm. Use it to sell the program. All right. So you want to rapid fire your way through the uh, weekend schedule uh, just to close things out here? Yeah, I, I do want to toss in a uh, a real quick uh, swim just to acknowledge them because it was their senior day. So good for them. They won. They should have won. Why are they swimming against NAI, NAIA teams? I do not know, uh, and it drives me nuts. But at least there's not D2 and D3 teams on the schedule anymore, and at least they uh, cleaned up pretty good. So congrats to them. Seniors, you always deserve shout-outs on your senior days. Um, it's cute. They bring the band to do the national anthem and stuff, which is not a usual thing. And then in terms of baseball, expect – are you putting out previews all five days next week or no? Yep, and the weekend. So lots of lots of baseball content coming in, um, and we will talk more about them at length on Tuesday when we are back with another episode. And uh, if I don't see you out at the Mew this weekend, um, I will be around the rest DC next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and also the Mew because they're home again. But um, it's springtime. Come back to the flats. Um, Cincinnati is going to be a good game on Saturday, so that's probably one to circle. Um, so is that it for baseball? Yeah, let's go through, let's walk through this weekend's schedule and then uh, close it out. Um, all right, week schedule. Uh, we already had uh, VPSU basketball on Tuesday. Um, today, men's golf is in Hawaii. Uh, they're kicking off their spring. 
then we've also got women's basketball at Pittsburgh. Wait, this is Thursday. You're not even going to hear this till tomorrow. What am I doing? Um, anyways, continuing. Uh, men's golf, again, still in Hawaii through the weekend. Women's tennis is up in uh, Chicago on the south side to play some indoor national championships matches. Um, both of the teams they played last week will be in the mix up there. Uh, track and field is at College Station uh, at the Charlie Thomas Invite. Um, I don't assume that's a full team trip, but there will probably be their bigger names out there. Um, men's tennis plays three at home this weekend uh, at five on Friday against Georgia State. And then uh, on Sunday at 11 against Auburn and at four against the Citadel. Um, so that Auburn game, uh, if you're coming in for uh, softball at 1230 or women's basketball at two on Sunday. Those will both be uh, a nice prelude with some good tennis. Um, Auburn solid. Always fun to play SEC teams at home. Always and fun then, to play Citadel Auburn, after. period. I, I love playing Auburn. Swimming against them in swim club, swimming against them in varsity, playing against them in baseball, uh, tennis, whatever. Always, always good stuff. Schedule them in football. Cowards. Um, other than that, we got the softball games, two tomorrow. Um, two Saturday and one on Sunday that I already mentioned. Um, the late game tomorrow is at 6, 6 p.m. against Washington. Uh, they're the preseason number one. That is the one to go watch if you want to watch softball this weekend. Newborn um, Field at 6 p.m. on Friday and 3.30 p.m. for number one Washington in the Buzz Classic, which is coming back. And other than that, um, like I said, golf and women's tennis same dealio all weekend, same with track and field. And then men's basketball will be up in Pittsburgh for the roundabout wrap-up to uh, this slate. But, yeah, no, busy weekend on the flats uh, between five softball games, three men's tennis matches, uh, and a women's basketball game. Um, we, we got a lot to see. We, we'll have plenty to talk about on Tuesday. Um, and then, of course, baseball looming Friday, one week. Um, Rusty C, other baseball words, go here. Put them in there, whatever you pick. Um, let's go. All right, so that about rounds it out. Um, the only other thing I have to add is the go buy an Atlanta United jersey. They're white and gold. You can support two Atlanta teams at the same time. This is a bad outro. Jake, do you have anything else to add? Um, stay dry. Stay warm. Uh, don't let things flood. Also, um, I don't know. Go watch baseball. Go watch softball. It's good time to be on the flats. All right. And with that, we will see you on Tuesday. Well, you'll hear it on Wednesday. You get the point. Anyway, see ya. See you on Wednesday. <laughs>